Philippians 3, we'll look, we, we were here last year, hard to believe that we're in that situation where we can say that, but we only got, or we've got, only, we've gotten through the third chapter of four chapters of Philippians, and we're just thinking on the thought of fellowship in the gospel, and we've came to verse 7, I believe we may have read it when we preached from this text, but it'll be okay, we're going to look back over it and share a few thoughts with you about the price for Christ. Philippians 3 and verse number 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see, Paul, he, he's talking here of the price and what it cost him in sense of material things and earthly endeavors and earthly wants and earthly desires, the price that it cost him of how, in the end, he says pretty strongly, he says, do count them but dung. We all know what dung is. If you don't, Bottom of the hill, deep curve, I think there's a pasture. If there's still some cows in there, go wander through and you'll find out what it is. That's what Paul equates his possessions and his desires and the things that he valued. He, he equates all those things to dung. And what a lesson it is to learn the cost and the price for serving Jesus. But not even only, not only just serving Jesus, but identifying yourself with Jesus. He says back here in verse number Four, he says, though I, I may also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. He's saying, when I, when I, what I had before I had Jesus, I had a lot of, of earthly sense, an earthly possession. Anybody else that thinks that they've possessed more, that they, they might have more to boast about, that they might have more to have faith in in themselves, I promise you, I, I had it. He says, he says in verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning seal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. Paul, he was regarded for his knowledge, and no doubt, I mean, I even made this statement today, no one except for Jesus Christ I've ever read after or I've ever looked after a human being as human as you and me flesh full flesh but God gifted with such great knowledge and such great ability and such great great poise and power and 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 spirit and all the things God gave Paul I mean there's not been one, one human that you'll find that I've ever read after that has that knowledge but now now we know that he was inspired by God to write these words and that's the difference is he was inspired by God to write these words and, and it's a blessing to know that but just his knowledge as a human being is unsurpassed by, by another mortal man I've ever read after but he talks about who he was and where he was before Jesus and he was the same man except he was lost I mean his knowledge and his ability and and, and, and he, he says here, he says, the Hebrews of Hebrews, I've said before, uh, uh, I, I was the Baptist of Baptists, amen? 
I feel like that growing up, I was... I, was, I grew up in the right place. I grew up around the right people. I was blessed in the right church. I had a wonderful pastor. I had uh, uh, wonderful people around me. My grandfather mentored me. My grandmother mentored me. Other, my other grandparents mentored me. My parents mentored me. I felt like the Baptist of Baptist. Amen. But until Jesus was made real to me, all those possessions and all those things and all that knowledge, it really was worthless. And all that Paul had in his head and all that Paul had in his knowledge, now he didn't believe on Jesus and we know the story of Paul meeting and seeing Jesus and the scales on his eyes and, and, and Jesus calling him into the ministry, calling him to preach and calling him to be an apostle. We know those stories and that's a blessed thing. But it was on that road that, that, road that, that, that he's traveling on when he meets Jesus that things shift and things change. And these possessions that he has doesn't matter this religion that he has, being the Hebrew of Hebrews, being circumcised on the eighth day, being from the tribe of Benjamin, being a Pharisee, being all these religious things didn't matter once he met Jesus. And I've realized that about myself. How about you? When you meet Jesus, all the, all the things that I have on my resume do not matter. And what happens is he starts instilling and touching me. And, and, and hey, there's good things that I had. But what a shame it would be that a godly grandfather that's a pastor preached the gospel for 40, 50 years, die and go to heaven, and me die and go to hell because I didn't get real with Jesus. Amen. That's a shame. Paul, he had it in this mind. He had all this knowledge. He had all this ability. He had all this prowess. He had all this history. He, he felt like there was, there was nobody that had more things to boast about or be proud of than he had. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. What's the price for Christ? He says here, but, that, but what things were gained to me? All those things we talked about, that benefited him. He was known in this society as the smartest Jew there was. But he says, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. You know why something changed inside of Paul when he met Jesus? And he sees Jesus, and Jesus is so amazing, and Jesus is so mighty, and Jesus is so wonderful that he can't even look on him. It blinds him and puts scales upon his eyes. And when he met Jesus in that very moment, it changed Paul. And all those things that he valued and treasured, all those things that he could boast about, all those things on Paul's uh, uh, religious resume did not matter at all. Because when Jesus moved in, the things of Jesus started moving in too. It says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of knowledge of, of Christ. And I love how, I love how that, that verse is written in, in, in essence that, that, that all these things, I'm, I'm counting these things that I'm going to let go of, these things that, that I've, I'm leaving behind. I'm leaving behind who I used to be. I'm leaving about, behind what, what promoted me as a Christian. I'm leaving behind what lifted me up in the religious world. I'm leaving behind all the things that people would be impressed by. And that's okay because the things in me now are promoting the excellency of the knowledge of Christ in me. I get rid of that junk and I start getting real with Jesus. You know, it's hard being a Christian sometimes and, and I see people and, and I go places and I go to dentists and doctor's offices and, and wherever I go and I talk to people and you get in a conversation with them. They say, uh, what, do you, what do you do for a living? Well, I used to, I was a banker. 
And I was a banker, and that's what I did. That's what, that's what paid the bills. I was a banker. And depending on the conversation, I might have been a preacher. That's just depending on the conversation because some people you talk to, to about church, some people you don't. Now people ask me, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor of a church. Man, people shut down when they hear you're a pastor of a church. They're thinking, what have I said? What have I said that I shouldn't have said because this guy's going to, for some reason, judge. I think they think he's going to judge me one day. What have I said I shouldn't have said in front of a preacher? Or they have bad, a bad taste in their mouth towards preachers and they, won't, they don't want to say anything else to you because they don't like you because they have a bad taste in their mouth towards preachers. And I understand. I almost get nervous now. Not because I'm ashamed to be a pastor. I thank the Lord to be a pastor. But I'm almost nervous because you don't know what you're going to get. Because so many have so many different viewpoints. But you know what I realized, I was thinking about this today, what a blessing it is that whoever I can tell, it doesn't matter what they think. Moreover than identifying myself with Mountain View Baptist Church as your pastor, I'm identified with Jesus Christ, my Savior. And what a blessing it is that that all those things, the the, the career and the the excitement of of the growth in my personal career and the growth of my, my, my the possessions that I was looking for and the things that I was wanting, when I got real and I started serving Jesus, those things did not matter like they used to matter. And I proudly say that I'm identifying with Jesus and I'm proud of it and I'm happy of it. And I had so much. God blessed me so much. I had so many things. But man, when you get with Jesus and you start serving, him, you start living for him and you start seeking him, you realize all those things that you thought were so great are not that great at all. And what I possess now, not because I'm a pastor, but because I have joy inside of my soul for being a Christian, I feel like preaching tonight. It brings excitement and hope and happiness to my heart. And I'm okay, those things that I've left behind, I count those things as loss. Count those things. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Those things were worth letting go of. We'll get that just a little bit deeper in just a moment. Jesus, my Lord, he goes on to say, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He says all things. We've been saying this recently. The Bible is particular. God is particular, amen. He says the loss of all things. All those things that he, that he talks about. And moreover, I believe, than just the religious things he's talking about, it cost him these things. You see, he's a Pharisee. He's the, the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's circumcised the eighth day. He had everything right. He had everything down path. I think that before he started serving Jesus, he probably lived a lavish life. And all those things, gone away, cast away, gotten rid of, He says, I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb. In other words, those things that used to matter, you get into perspective that they don't matter at all. They don't. But I may win Christ. But I may win Christ. There's a price we have to pay. There's a price. If we truly know Jesus, there's a price we're going to pay. We're going to have that conversation or we're going to be that person that some, in someone's eyes that they're going to look at us. That's a Christian. With skepticism, they look at us. You tell somebody, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I do the, they'll make fun of you. They'll, they'll have things to say about you. They'll say things behind your back. You, you, you become undesirable. I've sat in plenty of chairs and doctor's offices feeling that way not recently. What do you do? I'm a pastor. 
but get out of the room as fast as I can. Don't know why. Maybe me. Maybe have bread, bad breath. Somebody tell me. I don't know. My wife would have told me, I guarantee you. But that's just a little price to pay. Very little price to pay. That someone would look at you and think, ah, they're this, they're that. But they, and, and we get prideful, right? They're assuming something about me. I'm not that way. Here I am looking in the mirror being that same way. Realizing it's only by the goodness and the grace of God I am what I am. What was different for Paul after meeting Jesus? You see, there's, there's no other transformation on this earth potent and powerful as meeting Jesus. I mean, no other transformation so pure, so holy, so effective, as we've preached the last two, two evening services, so protected. We have a protected change. We have a potent change. We had a, have a perfect change. We have a pure change inside of us when we meet Jesus. And the world tries to change things. Try to change, we're trying to change the environment. How are we going to do that? Electric cars. We change the environment. I have no, I'm not preaching against electric cars, but then again, I am. I don't believe in it. Amen. Somebody give me an amen. That's, that's a pet, that's a pet doctrine right there, but. Electric cars, we're going to fix the world. You don't feel like you're a, you're a girl, we're going to make you a boy. You don't feel like a boy, we're going to make you a girl. Those transformations are not perfect, and when you hear stories of people who come to their senses later on in their life, they're having to try to change back because they realize they made a mistake because they was being fed hogwash. People convert to all these world religions out there, and they get deep, knee-deep in a cult, and they realize they're trying to transform back out of it. You see, when Jesus comes inside of you, he transforms all the junk out and all the good comes in. And you don't ever need anything else to transform you or change you aside from going back and repenting for the sin that you've committed. He welcomes you right back into his arms. There's no further need for transformation. There's no other transformation on this earth as effective as salvation. And any other transformation out there, by the time you get transformed, you're going to want to go back. You So what changed in Paul made a big difference on a few things. He had some different desires before Christ. You see, he says there in verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He had some different desires before he met Jesus. And those desires was promoting himself and, and harming, killing, and persecuting Christians. So when he met Jesus, those desires changed. When you meet Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you've been saved, and he dwells within, within you, your desires will change. Now, you're still going to fight and face flesh. We know that. We've talked about that. We're going to face temptation. And, and it seems like, in, in, in honesty, when you're blinded by the God of this world, you're just, you're just a kid in a candy store. When you're saved, you're a kid that used to live in the candy store, walking by the candy store, trying and fighting to keep yourself from going back in. Amen? So your desires change. You get out of the proverbial candy store. You're not in there anymore. And sometimes you're going to be tempted to go back. And there's times if you're not careful, you realize you're in the, all the way in the back of the stock room trying to find some more. 
But the reality is, is in your, in your, in your soul, there's a desire to know Jesus. And at your deepest, deepest, darkest, lowest sin as a Christian, you're going to look back to him and you're going to say, I'm in a wrong place. You're going to be like the, the prodigal son. And at some point, you're going to come to the point realizing, hey, my father owns everything and I'm sitting here eating pig slop. Your desires will change. What you, what you want spiritually, physically, emotionally, those things are going to change. And that changed for Paul. He went from somebody that persecuted Christians to saying all the possessions and all the achievements and all the things that he had, he counted those things but dung. They're worthless. They mean nothing. All the, the earthly things, all the earthly excitements, they don't mean a thing anymore. Why? Because his desires changed. He had different desires before Christ. He had different decisions before Christ. That's the hard part. You can want all day long, but when you act on it, it's different. I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to study. I want to pray. I want to do all these things. When your desires are going to be Christian, different when you become a Christian. But when you know Jesus, your decisions start changing. And you start thinking, well, I want to study. I want to pray. I want to go to church. I, I, I'm going to act this way. I'm going to try to treat this person right. I'm going to try to be a good Christian brother or sister to this person. And what happens is you have these desires to do those things. And by God's word, we're called to act upon those desires. And our decisions start changing. And that's when things get tough. Because we're acting on something unnatural to us. Our desires create in us the question of, are we going to make this decision to help this person? I'm going to make this decision to heed God's word? I'm going to make this decision to follow the truth of the scriptures? Or I'm going to go back and I'm going to serve my flesh? Well, you go back and serve your, your flesh, you're going to realize that those desires are different than they used to be and you're going to be unhappy. It's decisions that are different. Paul's decisions were different. He was called into the ministry. The scales fell off, to, off, of, off of his eyes and he went and started evangelizing and preaching. He had different desires after he met Jesus and he made different decisions after he met, met, met Jesus. And that's a blessed and a beautiful thing. You start making different decisions and they sometimes, Christian, you're thinking, what did I just do? Amen? You do it and you're thinking, my spirit's leading me. God's spirit's leading me. But my flesh does not like this. This is not me. What am I doing? Your decisions are different. And what a blessed thing it is. And our flesh is going to fight these different desires. Our flesh will fight these different decisions. But when we're desiring God and we're making decisions that push ourselves towards his will and his truth, what we see is our deeds change. You see, Paul had different desires and decisions before Christ, but he had different deeds before Christ too. Before he met and, and knew Jesus, he had different deeds. He was known as a persecutor. He was known as one who would, would maim and kill and harm Christians. He was known as, as the smartest Jew out there. No doubt a scholar that, that anybody would go to. Not only was, just he, not only was he just a, a, a mental scholar, his credentials that he didn't even control, that mom and daddy controlled following the law, Having him circumcised on the eighth day. Being from the tribe of Benjamin. Something that his parents didn't even do for him. That, that comes down the line from grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. All these things fell into place for Paul. So not only was he respected for his mental knowledge, he was respected for the things he had been blessed with when, when he was born. And he says, those things I count as dung. I mean, he disowned the religion he came up in. 
He disowned the, that, that, the, the family background he came in. He disowned all those things. He said, those things don't matter anymore because I've been rebirthed. I've been reborn. I've been born again through Jesus Christ. My desires are different now. My decisions are different now, and my deeds are different now. He, he wasn't there to execute Christians anymore. He was there to, to, to be a, a, a nurse in the delivery room of Christians being born again. We have a hard time. Some people, believing some people could be saved, amen? But I'm telling you, Jesus died for every single person on this earth. You know what transformed my, my view of, peop, of how much God loves people? Sam and I have talked about this. Everybody remembers when bin Laden was killed, amen? And the celebration, I'm a teenager celebrating. It hit me one day, Jesus died for Osama bin Laden. So I'm an American. If your faith in this country comes before your faith in Christ, you better check up. Amen. We need that in 2024, church. You realize Jesus died for Adolf Hitler? I don't like that. The devil doesn't want you to like that. I'm not saying the man's in heaven, but Jesus Christ died for Judas Iscariot. Amen. He laid down his life. He laid down his life. And hey, I'm going to tell you, my flesh, the world's a better place without him. But in my soul, because I've got different, I've got different desires, I've got different decisions, I've got different deeds these days, church. I realize and I know that these people that I've doomed to hell, there's people walking around. There's people in this church just as wicked, but nobody else knows and nobody else sees it. Why? Because sin is sin with God. He cast it all out without the redemption of the blood of his son Jesus Christ. He died for every man, every boy, every girl. But guess what? Oh, Paul, he was washed white as snow. All that he had, did, he had done, all the, the, the things that he carried, all the sin, hey, those things walk with you. Those were sins that he committed. Those were, were transgressions against God. God's angry with those things. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, they were forgiven. Jesus died for everyone. He died for everyone. Don't get me wrong, I love my country. But it convicted my soul when I began to realize and understand I'm not as good as I think I am. We all love a bad guy, don't we? We all love a bad guy. Somebody we can point the finger at. Because they're worse than us. I love it because it makes me feel good about myself. I'll be honest about it. But man, I've got different desires now. I've got different decisions. I've got different deeds. Paul completely transformed. What will you lose for Christ? That's my last few thoughts here tonight. Paul paid the price for Christ. And you find out it's worth it. Now, there's different, people are different, blessed with different things. There's some people, they've got new things, and there's some people, they've got old things, and that's fine. That doesn't mean everybody that has new things is greedy and wicked. Doesn't mean that people that have old things are poor and dirty. Amen? My papa always said, God knew not to bless me with money because he knew I couldn't handle it. Amen? He passed that down to me. But it's so true. We're blessed with different things. There are some 
there are some rich people that aren't happy with everything they possess. Everything. And they're wrong because they're not content with what they have. And there's some poor people that want so much stuff so bad that they're wrong because they want everything everybody else has. Amen? We've got to be careful. But there's a price to pay for a poor person and an old person when you follow Jesus. Or, sorry, old people. There's a price to pay for poor people and rich people when you're going to serve Jesus. Not old people. Maybe so. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not even going to go any deeper than that. There's a price to pay for everyone. Say, well, I'm poor. I don't have anything. There's a price. There's something you value that it's going to cost you to follow Jesus. You say, well, i got all the money in the world. There is a price to be paid. There's something you're going to have to let go of, and it may not even be tangible, monetary. There's something between you and Jesus that you'll have to let go of. What's, what, what, what did Paul, what will you lose for Christ? We're looking at Paul here. First, you'll lose vain religion, but you'll gain purity. See, Paul talks about that religion he had, verse 5. He talks about how he was circumcised, the family that he comes from, uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was all these religious things. When you get to know Jesus and you follow Jesus and you're transformed by Jesus, you will lose your vain religion, but you will gain purity. You see, all this religion that Paul had, he could follow that letter to a T and die and, be, and go to hell because he didn't believe and know Jesus. See, he lost his vain religion. So whatever it is that we think we're going to get through on, our, our vain religion, we know there's a pure religion. It's the Apostle Paul that talks about a pure religion. But there's a vain religion too, and that's what Paul had. Paul was following something that Jesus came to fulfill. You'll lose your vain religion, but you'll gain purity. Why? Because you'll stand before God and you will be able to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I was all these things until I met Jesus and then he'll say, that's one of mine. You can plead his blood because of your purity when you meet Jesus. You will lose position. You will lose position, but you will gain promise. There are positions, whatever it is, whether it's individual, people respect you, and then you, you start following the Lord, and they... Forget all about you. I, I got about 411 friends just like that from high school. Started serving the Lord. FBI can't find them. Amen? I mean, just gone. You know what I realized is, I realized they saw something in me that was different. I lost a position with them. And for a while I thought, you know what, they just can't handle how I, how, how I follow Jesus. I got religious about it. I thought, man, I'm so good. They can't even be around me. They're so convicted. That position I lost with them, it's okay. Because I gained promise following Jesus. You gain a promise of his promotion of you, not on this earth, but on the other side. That we're building up treasures. We're setting up treasures. We're, we're, we're building up for the other side, not for here. That's why Paul can say he counts these things on this earth that's dumb. It's because his treasure's on the other side. His treasure's being with Jesus, being with God, fellowshipping with his Holy Spirit. You gain that promise. I say that's okay to lose position to gain that kind of promise. See, position only lasts so long down here, don't it? If 
you follow sports, I don't, I don't talk sports a lot other than just joking real fast, but I'm, I do have a little sports illustration. Aaron Rodgers, may know him, may not know him, played for the Packers, and he leaves the Green Bay Packers to go play for the New York Jets. And I remember turning on the TV because I thought, these are one of those things I want to remember. His first game playing for the Jets. I'm not even a fan, but I just thought this is one of those things I want to remember. Michael Jordan's last game, the Daytona 500, the Masters, those types of big moments. I want to remember this. And he comes running out with this big American flag and this whole stadium of this team that has been terrible for as long as I've been alive and as long as you've been alive. They're screaming. I mean, they are just rabid, excited about Aaron Rodgers. First couple plays of the game, he breaks his leg or knee or ankle or something. I mean, I quit watching because, I mean, I thought, what a memory. Position, it only lasts for a moment. And there's all this hype about these things. Man, we're so excited, and then boom, here we are. His season ended in a few minutes, literally. This position, it's, it's, not, it's not eternal. It's, it's temporal here on this earth. But my promise in heaven, that's eternal. That's forever, forever and ever and ever, ever. It's okay to lose a little bit of position to have some promise on the other side. The other thing is you'll lose your stature but you'll gain protection. And what I mean by that is not exactly the way I mean position. You'll lose your stature. In other words, you see, Paul, he was once a proud man. We know Paul was afflicted. I I, I personally believe Paul was a a shriveled up, rough-looking, maybe scary to some children kind of man. I mean, I think he was probably bowed up and twisted up, and we know he was afflicted with a number of things. There was a day I believe Paul was a proud man. I personally, my personal opinion, I believe Paul's on, on the, ro- the road there and he, and he meets Jesus and he's walking down that road as a strong, proud man. And a price he had to pay, I believe, he talks about a thorn in the flesh. I'm not here to decide what that is. I, I think it's, it tells us it's a thorn in the flesh because it could be a number of things and not just point, pinpoint one thing. But he has, we know he has a thorn in the flesh. We know that he's afflicted physically. His stature changed. He got weak. Charles Spurgeon called the Prince of Preachers, one of the greatest known preachers in history, was a frail and a sickly and a weak man. His physical stature was affected. Now, I'm not saying that was because of X, Y, Z. I'm not saying that was because of a sin. But, hey, there's things that are going to happen. There's stuff that's going to come up in our life. We're going to look at other people and we're going to think, this doesn't happen to them. That's never happened to them. This has never come up with them. Your stature may change for following Jesus. Paul may have very well paid a price because of his sin. He may have lived in that frailty because of his sin. I don't know. But what we gain when we lose our stature is protection. We're in the hand of God. As weak and as sickly and as down and as low as we can get, we are in God's hands. A month ago, I didn't have a set of lungs, and now I'm preaching for 40 minutes on a Wednesday night. Praise God. I feel like I'm in his hands. I feel like he's touching me. I feel like he's protecting me. And though my stature may change, I hope it does a little bit right around here. My stature may change, but I am surely protected in God's hand. The last thought tonight is you will lose your possession, but you will gain perspective. I think that's the key to these these two verses. Is you will lose your possession, but you will gain perspective. And that's what Paul did. He lost those possessions. All things, he says. All things. I've suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung. He lost some possessions, but he gained some serious perspective. 
he looks back on those things and he realizes they're not as important as they once were. I joke about sports a lot, but there was a time I worshipped sports. I idolized sports. I like to tell myself that's why I didn't get to go play in the NFL, but I know there's numerous other reasons. But I idolized it. I mean, I worshipped it. I, I slept, ate, and breathed football when I was playing football. I mean, remember when the NFL Network came out? I didn't have to do much to talk my dad to upgrade DirecTV. We got that thing updated, upgraded. I had NFL Network 24-7. Till Jacoby told me I didn't even know who was playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, it just, it just changes. That's one thing for me that I used to idolize, that I used to love. Now, there's stuff out there I, I, I got to deal with. You pray for me. But that's one thing my perspective started to change. This stuff does not matter like I used to think. There was one point in time. I told you, Lord, if you'll let the Clemson Tigers win this national championship, I'll serve you forever. I mean, foolishness, just foolish. I began to see some perspective. It's not that I don't enjoy things. It's not that I enjoy, don't enjoy going somewhere. It's not that I don't enjoy watching something on television. It's not that I don't enjoy participating in a hobby or an activity. There's stuff I love to do, and I enjoy doing it, and I hope you do too. But I've started to gain perspective. That stuff doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And that was Paul. He says, all those things I lost, I, they don't matter. And he finishes that verse with saying, that I may win Christ. They don't matter why. Because the price, that may be some things here on this earth, but the prize is Christ. He's the prize. And what a, we do not deserve to participate in this prize. But that's how much he loves us. Is that, that, that he loves us so much that he wants us, us to participate with him. And he makes a way. He pays the way for us to participate with him. But we're going to see some cha things change if we choose to follow him.